and welcome back to Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. This very first episode of 2023. Happy New Year to you. Hopefully you had a great holiday season and, and uh, you know, it's been, it's been a little while, a couple of months. I will say I've immensely enjoyed the holidays, had some time off of work, usually try to make that happen and uh, it was great. Honestly, it's really nice for me to kind of unplug, take a little bit of time away from the podcast. And uh, I've actually been working on it though, since about the beginning of the year. So although you haven't, there hasn't been a new episode, there's been some things in the works, some interviews happening behind the scenes. And uh, this episode though, is one that was several months in the making. Coach Bob Green from, of course, Montana Tech. And and if, if you run in my circle, if you follow, you know, kind of, I mean, he's gotten millions of, of views on Twitter of his Greenisms. And uh, he's always, you know, just been one of those guys that just love it, just love all of them. And and I, I kind of heard rumors, honestly, for years that he was at Northwest. Now, a quick Google search would tell you that he was, <laughs> was an assistant coach in the uh, early to mid-1980s. And, in fact, he was on the coaching staff of the very first playoff team in 1984. And it was the defensive coordinator, in fact. And, um, but it kind of took a while, and I, you know, I had this crazy idea that what if I could get him on my podcast? He's been in other podcasts that I've, that I've uh, watched and listened to and things and heard him and, and thought, man, you know, this is, I mean, it's, let's be honest. It's the first person that I've really went out and got outside of the bear or who's famous for reasons other than Bearcat football. Right. And, uh, anyway, was, there's a lot of work, a lot of behind the scenes, uh, things going on, a lot of conversations and phone calls and emails and just to, just to get to him. And he was incredibly gracious. He, without any hesitation said he would absolutely do it. And, um, I've just been so excited. I was so excited to finally record it, which we did after the beginning of the year. And ever since then, I've just been excited to share it with you. And uh, hopefully it lives up to the billing. He's definitely a character. And, uh, you know, one of the things, and we'll talk about this over the course of the podcast, that's really fascinating me about him is through all the funny little quips and sayings that he has, um, you know, he's, you know, there's this sense of, I don't know, you know, at Northwest, we say family where, you know, you're part of the family. There's no throwing guys under the bus, you know, coaches don't come out bad mouthing players and things. And I'm not saying that that happens a lot at the D2 level, but it's something that I always felt like he was very intentional with and kind of using some of those humor and some of those things to take the pressure, specifically the blame off of his players when they didn't win. And, uh, I always kind of find found that fascinating is this undercurrent, you know, underneath the the hilarious over the top guy that is coach Bob Green, who is listen, what you get, you know, in the sound bites and what in this podcast and the things, that's that's just who he is and it's great. This was an absolute thrill for me. This is, you know, I, I consider him a celebrity, like I said, outside of of Bearcat football and and uh you know, just really exciting. Got some other things coming up and in, in, uh, in the schedule. One of the things, you know, that kind of goes along with this is taking a look back, you know, before the Mel Churchma era. You know, I kind of did it last 
um, last year with Dr. Jim Red, and um, but not a lot. I mean, I've I've really had to educate myself on that. Obviously, you know, coming to Northwest in 2002, but you know, there's a lot more information and having access to Coach T, right? Of of you know, 1994 to now that we joke about. You know, football was invented in 1994, but um, you know, there there's the thing that is special about Northwest. In, in talking to guys that, that were part of the program, not just specifically Bob Green, but other people that I've talked to that were involved in the program in the, in the 80s and 70s, um, there was there was kind of something special about Northwest. And that's, um, you know, we talk about the culture and things, right, that, that happened because of Mel Churjima. And obviously, I have a podcast because of him. <laughs> if, if, if Mel Churchman ever comes to Northwest, nobody cares about a podcast about Bearcat football. Let's be honest. But uh, um, there, there's something. Northwest, I think, has always always been a special place, and that really fascinates me. And hopefully I can bring some of that through a few episodes this offseason. And uh, I don't have the whole offseason planned out. I have um, you know several commitments and things. But you know me, I don't like to announce anything before uh, before it's been recorded so that's that's kind of why I kept this one so quiet until it was you know in the can so to speak I didn't I didn't I don't like to jinx things so I guess I'm a little stitious but uh, my chat with Bob Green is next enough of me let's take a time out that is right after this here on bleeding green hey Bearcat fans this is Mel Churchman former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green and proud to be joined by former Montana Tech football coach, head football coach Bob Green. Also spent some time in Maryville at Northwest Missouri State in the early mid-80s. Uh, coach Green, thanks so much for taking a little time and, and joining me here on Bleeding Green. Well, great to be here, Matt. Well, I want to talk about you. Now, you're you're Midwest guy. You you grew up in Nebraska. What, tell me about kind of your childhood and growing up. I mean, was it always was sports a big part of 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 you and and growing up? Oh yeah, Matt. I I grew up in Grand Island, Nebraska, out in the central part of the state, and then I moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, for uh, junior high and high school, and I it coincided with the early '60s and. Bob Devaney taking over at the University of Nebraska, and that thing just exploded. Uh, shoot, all uh, the guys I hung out with and went to and to grade school, junior high and high school with, uh, you know, we were into that. And, uh, great excitement as the Cornhuskers got good and as achieved national recognition, and so I grew up with all that. And uh, yeah, sports was just huge. I mean, uh, shoot, we uh, we'd go from uh, from football to basketball to baseball and and uh it seemed like that's all we did if we weren't on the organized team we were in somebody's backyard or in the street playing football it was just that's the way it was yeah that, that's kind of the small town thing i think just whatever season it is that's what sport everybody kind of ends up playing well no i certainly wasn't a great athlete but uh yeah i mean love football uh, always gravitated toward football for the team element and of course i fancied myself quite a basketball player you know uh, the coach is always funny. He said, you got to be open to shoot. And I was always open. You know, I, <laughs> I'd rather pass a kidney stone than a basketball. I'd fake to the open man to shoot, you know, and then of course in baseball, I thought I was a great one. I could, I could run and throw a little bit, but I couldn't hit. And then you get a little older, and 
uh, that legion curveball catch you and you can't hit the thing. But <laughs> yeah, we just love sports. Well, so you, you graduated, you end up going to the Marine Corps and, and spent some time in Vietnam. That's, that's, it seems like that was a big, you know, obviously pretty big part of your life and, and the Marines and, and still kind of something that you're, you're involved with now, right? Oh yeah. You know, you, uh, uh, of course I, you know, graduated from high school and, uh, certainly wasn't a great player. And, uh, 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 my grades were not even up to my ability as a player. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, the war was going and guys were getting drafted and, uh, you didn't go to college. I mean, they still had deferments. That was before the lottery. And if you didn't go to college and get married, there's a pretty good chance you get drafted. And, and uh, so anyway, I joined the Marine Corps and ended up uh, in Vietnam. And I'm very fortunate. A lot of guys had a lot worse than me, but uh, came back from there and then uh, went out to uh, Kearney, which is Kearney State in those days, which, of course, is in your league now mm -hmm. at the University of Nebraska at Kearney and ended up walking on there and playing football and enjoyed that a great deal. Defensive back, right? Is that what you played back then? Yes, that was a corner. Yes. What, num what number were you? I'm interested. I was number 23. Right. 23 has always been a magical number for Pam Green and me. Us. Just that number continually presents itself in our lives. Both of our cell phone numbers, uh, through no choice, they, they include 23s. Uh, uh, we lived in several places where our address just happened to be 23. 23 shows up all the time. That's pretty cool. Well, what was the, your experience like at, at Carney? I know you stayed and coached after, but I mean, obviously it was, it was a different school, different thing at the time, not the, um, you know, MIAA, you know, they've been a playoff team or at least, uh, um, you know, competing for that the last few years. What, what was Carney like in your time there? Oh, it was wonderful. You know, it, uh, we had a lot of real good teams where NAI in those days, it was Carney state. And I walked on and uh, we, we didn't, uh, when I was playing, we didn't play Northwest, but we played central Missouri state. We played, uh, uh, Missouri Western, you know, we played all those guys, uh, non-conference. Uh, I walked on, I, uh, I got a scholarship after a year. I ended up starting my junior and senior year for some, some real good teams. We had, uh, you know, of course that's before the days of the portal, but we had a lot of guys maybe at Nebraska that weren't quite going to play as much. We, uh, uh, had some guys from all over the country. We had a lot of real good teams. I was lucky enough to be part of it, Matt. And then, uh, goodness, uh, well, that was a little earlier than this, but after our senior year, we weren't in the playoffs that year, but we'd had a good year. And I'm a gym rat and I was playing pickup basketball by now. I'm, uh, I wasn't married yet, but I was going to get married, you know, and, and, uh, the coaches called me in the office and sometimes it's not a good deal when your coach is calling you in the <laughs> office. So I went and I was done playing. I was a senior. It was that kind of that dead time, you know, uh, like Thanksgiving around there just before Thanksgiving break or just after before semester break. And they brought me in and I had, I was kind of surprised. And they said, uh, you know, we know you're not going to graduate, but we would keep you on scholarship if you would coach. Uh, we had freshman teams in those days and you know, all the freshman guys and then help out scout and those type of things. We'll keep you on scholarship. We want you to think about it. And I said, I just did. <laughs> I owe those guys everything and got in the coaching business as a result of that. Was, was that always the plan or ha had you thought about it much up, up to that point? You know, that's a good question. It, uh, it, it entered my mind. Sure. Sure. I, you know, I thought it, I enjoyed it. Uh, I always gravitated toward football. I always enjoyed the team component of football, as I said before. And, and, uh, yeah, I thought about coaching. I, I just really didn't know how I was going to get started. And, uh, you know, you're so wound up with playing, you know, that you're close to the Bearcat teams and, and, uh, it's a, 
<laughs> you know, I, I always get a kick out of somebody says, uh, I spent 40 years doing it. Somebody said, well, I, I played a little college football. Well, you really don't. I mean, you play a lot of college football, you don't play. You know, it's uh, it's a, a way of life. It's a culture. It's it's everything you do. And so, you know, I just get so absorbed with that. I, I, I thought about the future some. Of course, I was getting married. And so that happened. But, uh, yeah, just the fact they uh, they called me in and, and offered me that deal. That's how I got in it. As I said, I owe them a great deal. Uh, you know, Coach Rainer and Coach Boroff there at uh, at University of Nebraska Kearney. Well, do you, back to your playing days for just a second. Do you have like a favorite game or, or favorite memory or play that that stands out for you? Well, you know, I, I mean, I certainly wasn't a great player. I don't want to. I would not <laughs> exaggerate that. I would, not, but two two connections that kind of come to mind. Uh, first of all, playing against Missouri Western, uh, that's the only punt I ever blocked. I, I, I'd like to say it was a great block and we got it for a touchdown or something, but I kind of hacked it. You know, we had the special punt block deal on. Of course, I was playing defensive back and I returned punts, but on this one, I was the rush guy. I didn't block it, but I kind of got airborne. It got blocked. You, cut, you could cut in those days, you know. And so I, I, I got a hand on it and it was a blocked punt. And well, and then another one comes to mind, Central Missouri State. Wasn't quite as good a play. We're playing them. Uh, of course, we won that game, but, and then we're playing Central. And I'm filling on a run, and the ball bounces, and it hit me. I should have picked, you know, should have just bounced in my stomach and run with it, but I didn't even recover the thing, you know. And then I end up in Montana, and in those days, uh, we played quite a range of opponents in those days. We played uh, we played Eastern Montana College, who uh, now is the University of Montana Billings. But that's the very first time I was ever in Montana. And, uh, and I got two interceptions against those guys in two years. And so, and now I've met some of those guys who were on those teams. Of course, you don't know them, you know, when you're playing against them. So those are kind of connections that, uh, that proved to be connections later in life. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So, so you move on f- from Carney and, and as a grad assistant, you, you coach some, some high school ball. I think you were even athletic director, maybe. And I, I've heard you say in, in some interviews, maybe that you even coached a little bit of basketball, but it might not have. Uh, might not have had as much success <laughs> well, in no, football. Sure we did. You know, we, I, one of the, again, I, you know, I'm different, Matt, than a lot of old guys who have done it for as many years as I did. I enjoyed everywhere I was. I had a blast, you know. Uh, uh, it, 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 was, it was fun, and, and I went out there. I got the job at Minotaur, Nebraska, which is way west, right on the Wyoming border in Scottsbluff County, a small town. I always said it, it's so small you hit it into town to go hunting. You know, the <laughs> – the average age was deceased, and uh, but Randy Wickard was a good friend of mine. He's from there. He knew there was going to be an opening, and so and he was from there, and he was applying for the basketball job, and I applied for the football job. We got it. So he was my assistant in football, and I was his assistant in basketball. So we had a blast. Well, and you... Northern Colorado, which of course Northwest fans are familiar with them from the before they went D one back in the in the late nineties, some some playoff games and battles that we had with them. And you even spent a year or two there as, as an assistant. Is that right? Yeah, I was there for a while. I, I again, black stupid luck. I was coaching in the All Star game there, Western Nebraska, and I met a coach from Northern Colorado, and he said they might have an opening, and so I applied there, and yeah, we had a blast down there in Greeley. We had some really good teams. Uh, I was Division Two in those days, you know. They're they're uh, FCS now, but uh, we had a couple good years, and then we went in the North Central Conference, which was 
at that time, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, Omaha had a team in those days. And our first year there, we won it. And uh, we were the first uh, Northern Colorado team to ever advance to the playoffs. And so I had a blast there. Uh, again, a lucky break to, to end up there. Well, and how do you end up in Maryville? I, I believe Dr. Jim Red was the coach and right. uh, th- that brought you into Maryville. How did you end up even hearing about Northwest and, and how do you how do you end up in Maryville? Well, I had a good friend that went to Northwest, a guy I played football and basketball with and ended up there going there after school from Lincoln. But, of course, this is many years later, so I, I was familiar with the place a little bit. And, of course, uh, we didn't play it, but I coached. When I was coaching at Kearney, we played there. And we played Central and played Western, like I said. But at any rate, uh, I was coaching at Broken Bow High School, Broken Bow, Nebraska, and I was athletic director and football coach. It was a good job. You know, we'd been there in northern Colorado. But, you know, you're familiar with coaching. And, and uh, nowadays they make more money They make more money than we did, which is great. I mean, I hope that they do. But, uh, you know, I needed uh, – I had one on the ground and one on the way, man. And, uh, we needed a little more money. And Broken Bow was great. That was uh, great job, a wonderful community. Uh, they gave me the job as head football coach and athletic director, and I was there for a year. And I got to be honest, we, you know, we didn't, we, uh, I can't remember, we won a few games, but we had a real young team. So we're, you know, everything's looking good. And I'm the athletic director. I guess to be spring, and Coach Red called me. Uh, he had visited with Coach Blazy, the guy I worked with at, uh, at Northern Colorado, and they were interested in hiring a coach. So I went and interviewed, uh, got the job. But- uh, was it on offense or defense that you were? Well, I was on offense. Coach. Okay. You know, been, uh, uh, most of the places I was and most of the time I spent, I was on defense. And of course, I played defense in college, but uh, I coached offense at Northern Colorado, both receivers and running backs. So again, uh, that's good to have, uh, have that perspective. And, and they needed a, a guy to, to work with the running backs at Northwest. So I got the job with, with Coach Red. And and then of course yeah I think he left after that season and Vern Thompson comes mm-hmm. in it's yeah kind of- and I was lucky enough I was lucky enough to get on with Vern he uh, had some guys he wanted to hire and I, I can't remember some there was some fly in the ointment of course he interviewed all of us there and, and uh, uh, they for some reason they couldn't get started and he Vern was an energetic guy man he wanted to go and uh, so uh, it wasn't much of an interview. I'd already talked to him when he got the job. That was, you know, kind of a long interview deal. But this one was pretty, pretty uh, quick. He said, "You don't have you recruited all the Kansas Junior College?" I said, "Yes, sir, I have." Have you recruited Junior College in Arizona? I said, "Yes, sir, I have," because I had. And he said, "Good, you're hired. We're leaving." <laughs> so that was that. That's exactly the way it happened. And so I had a wonderful time at Northwest with Coach Red, then and then with Vern. Well, and it was different. I mean, that that offense that Vern ran at the time, and it kind of gets lost in, I think, the the lore of Bearcat history, which, you know, the, the joke around here is that football began in 1994 when Mel Churchma was hired. But, um, you know, obviously under Vern, and you were there for 1984, the very first playoff appearance in uh, the D2 playoffs in Northwest history. But but the offense was kind of years before its time, really, with kind of an air raid oh, hey, look you know, that, that would... That's a very good point. That, that's a very good point. You know, that's one reason Vern got on there. We're going to go single back and throw it all over. And, and uh, obviously he'd been a very successful junior college coach up in Iowa. And he'd, uh, he'd won the junior college Rose Bowl at the Rose Bowl. He had several guys go to the NFL. And uh, so that was the deal. You know, Dick Flanagan, my good friend, was the athletic director. And 
yeah, I mean, we were uh, we were sliding the pass protection and running the motions and throwing the ball quickly and getting out of the quarterback's hand, uh, maybe before everybody else was. But, uh, yeah, that's true. And, uh, and hey, but Coach Hirschman certainly did a wonderful job. But, uh, uh, we, you know, we, uh, uh, again, uh, kind of like the – I like the Northern Colorado deal. I can't remember where we were picked. It was somewhere near the bottom, and, and we won the whole thing and ended up going to the playoffs. And So, yeah, we maybe were a little ahead. We had some really good skill guys. Got the ball to them in space. I know Steve Hensley has, has, has gone on to be in the Hall of Fame there. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and by that time, you know, I was only on offense for a year, and then that time uh, I moved to defense with Vern and then ended up running the defense. And, and we, had some, we had some good players all around. I, you know, I always tell guys, you know, Coaches uh, talk about what they did and their schemes. So I, I think I, I think I was always a good scheme guy, and I hope I did a good job uh, 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 teaching it and coaching it. But uh, I was always the kind of guy that that uh, players win games. <laughs> you know, we players win games. I mean, we had, uh, uh, as I said, Steve Hansley and, and uh, guys like that. Uh, Nelson kid played the inside slot guy for us. He was about six four and two thirty and two twenty and could run like crazy and. And uh, 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 those kind of guys were, were exceptional players. Robert Wilson at tailback, he was a good player. But then you go with Steve Savard at inside linebacker. All he did was play for the Cowboys. You know, we mm-hmm. we had some good players. Well, and 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 Bob Lade was the other coordinator, right? Oh, and Bob was a great guy. Bob Lade was a good friend of mine. Bob's a great guy. Well, he's the guy that actually hooked hooked us up. So it was kind of I had to, had to do some digging. I had heard, you know, kind of through the grapevine that you you had been at Northwest, and so so Bob, he he's either the one to blame for me uh, calling oh, you no, or it's or it's his credit. <laughs> you know, then we had so much fun. You know, you're young and you're coaching, and then you throw Steve Tapmeyer in there, the basketball coach, and, and guys like that. We had uh, our kids were all young, and yeah, we had fun. Yeah, taps great. Well, so so then, I mean, do you, so let's go before we move on. Of course, to to the Montana Tech days, and and uh, you know, obviously that '84, the first playoff appearance, the the game didn't go the way you would have liked. A lot of turnovers. Well, the hell of a game we played. We played Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha, and uh, probably we should have stopped them a little bit. I can't remember what the score was, but we didn't we didn't defend them, and we sure as hell didn't shut them out. But. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there were eight rate, turnovers too for the, for yeah, the Bearcats. Yeah, we, we bounced so. the ball on the ground a few times. Yeah, and uh, gave one up in the kicking game. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, we, well, we had a great year and they had a great run there. And you know, I had a chance, uh, had a chance to to go back. I, you know, I wanted to be a head coach, and, and uh, uh, my wife and I had talked a couple of times about. It. In fact, we uh, we spent the summer before. Uh, you know, you obviously you're familiar with uh, you're so close to program. You know how hard those guys work. We're working all the time and going all summer and we whatever got the camps and all those things. But we had a week off and my wife's uh, sister and her husband had just moved to Jackson, Old Wyoming from uh, from Cheyenne, Wyoming. So we went out and spent a few days there. And, you know, Pam Green one day said, wouldn't it be nice if we got back to the West again? And I said, well, you know, honey, I, it'd be great. But uh, I mean, I, there's no, certainly not. Uh, the, there's just not as many schools out here. And uh so I said, I don't know. And then, uh, hey, we're getting ready to play uh, the end of the 86 season. We had a, we'd always do a 1AA deal at the end of the year. We did Northern Iowa. We did, uh, oh, shoot. We did uh, uh, oh, uh, Western Illinois. We did, uh, I think it was Central Illinois. I can't remember, you know, for the money. And, uh, uh, and I'm sitting there reading in the old NCAA news. No computers in those days. The job at Montana Tech's open, so. 
I apply. Well, and and uh, you mentioned you'd not been there a ton of times. First time you were ever there is when you were you were playing at at Nebraska Carney. So you go from from Bobby Bearcat to what is it, Charlie Ordigger? Is that right? Charlie Ordigger, yeah. Charlie or Bobby Bearcat turns into Charlie Ordigger. Yep. So and it's an engineering school. I mean, did you have any? Oh, hey, well, now that the, there, you, Matt, you made a good point there. That is like uh, the only experience I'd had with anything like that hearing about it was Rolla. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'd never, you know, the calculus, physics, chemistry, uh, he's got I'd, wonderful students at Northwest, at Kearney, at Northern College, but all of them are much bigger schools. And, uh, but uh, yeah, that was, you know, that's an eye opener for me. I, I, of course, they tried to hire four other guys. I, you know, I always <laughs> had a lot of jobs, but I'm, I'm a terrible interview guy. I probably get a little carried away. I probably, you know, I guess I'd be a little different now at 73 than I was back then, but probably not give the guys interview too much personal space. You know, I could get really going, you know, the, the sweat and the boogers and the, you know, the whole thing, get rolling, tell them what my plans are and how I'm going to change the culture and everything. I'll never forget. The president was a guy named Lindsey Norman. And, and Lindsey goes, you know, coach, we have a wonderful engineering curriculum here. And I said, I've always loved trains. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, right over his head, you never want to get too, cute with those phd guys but <laughs> at any rate thought it was a great answer but they tried to hire four other guys but they had me but uh no i had a great experience uh you know the the deal was they hadn't had a whole lot of success and uh uh you know we managed to get a, a level of success that was pretty much unprecedented here so I, it was good yeah well it, but, uh, you were win- it, they were winless it does yeah i mean oh they hadn't won a game yeah we didn't have a guy in the room that ever won a game <laughs> And we won the first one again, just, you know, part of it, luck, part of it, uh, good culture. Uh, you know, hopefully I coached them good. You'd have to ask all of them. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, that's what I was going to ask you about the culture. Cause I mean, that's the thing we say at Northwest, you know, and I, I see some parallels between you and coach Churchman. He was, you know, he was 0 and 11 his first season at Northwest. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, I know Mel. And, yeah, he coached and, in NAI at Texas. We'd see each other at meetings. Right. Yeah, I know Mel. And of course, you know, you have your, your, both of you have your respective fields, a field named after you, Montana Tech and, mm-hmm. and Northwest. And, and, you know, culture is something that just comes up a lot. You know, what, what was it? I don't know. What it, what does that mean to you? And how do you come, you know, when you come into a program that maybe you kind of have to start over, how, how do you how do you build a culture? I, you know, I think everybody's got to do it a different way. Everybody's got to do it a way to answer your question. I hope this is a good answer that fits them. I think any more than than being on the field and trying to be somebody you're not or saying, hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, Coach Osborne ran the I formation, ran some option out of us. That's what I'm going to do because Coach Osborne did it. You know, it, it's got to be you. I mean, you've got to be genuine in the way you're building it and in the things you're building it upon. And so uh, I think what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that that feeling, everybody always talks about in the building or in the room now. And uh, uh, if I was ahead on one comment out of all the years I've done, this is whatever, 36, 37 years ago, I said, I want this building to be humming. I want it active. I want the players in here in the weight room and offices and to always see something going on. You know what I mean, Matt? To, to know that, that there's structure there, that, that we are moving forward, that uh, we're all together. Now, me, uh, uh, I know that Coach Prime took over at Colorado. He told those guys they better get the transfer portal. 
<laughs> I did not. <laughs> I went in there and said, I said, I want to recruit you. I want to recruit you just like I'm trying to recruit guys. And we, uh, you know, uh, transfers in a place like ours is tough, but you know, we brought in some transfers and, 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 but I want, but you know, uh, I want you to want to join us. Now if it's not going to work. That's fine. I hope we're parting friends. We're parting, but yeah. And, and we had some good players there. there. There were some guys there. I'd probably get too much credit for turning the thing around. There were some good guys there. And, uh, so I, I want to do that. But to me, that that's the culture. And it's positive. We were always positive. You know, if, if a guy can't make a block or a tackle, it doesn't mean you got to say something about his mother, you know, or about his ethnic background or his personal habits, anything like that. I mean, you've got to coach him in a positive way. Hey, Matt, uh, that wasn't very good. You know, you stepped with the wrong leg. Uh, 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 guy threw his forearm into your face and knocked you down. And, and we know you can do better. You get your arms extended. You, you, you do that technique we taught you. But what you did wasn't very good, but we know you can do it. You know, not you stupid. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that and consistency. I think the, uh, the other thing I, I see, you know, mistakes made in programs where coaches, uh, I mean, one day they're the they're – the, uh, you know, they're the, the, the buddy, buddy, the, the, the more loose coach. And then the next day they totally change gears or they're more the disciplinarian. And the next day they totally change gears. Hey, these young guys at, at tech or at Northwest or anywhere else in college football, man, they got classes, they got meetings, they got film study, they got strength sessions. They got to be at the trainer for injury rehab. They got, you know, they're regimented and, and they need to have something they can fall back on some type of consistency. And that's, that's the culture you're talking about. They know what to expect. And so I would always insist our assistants be positive. But if you're a little more stern, the offensive coordinator worked for us for years. Uh, he was more of a stern guy, you know, but uh, uh, he didn't change. But he was still positive. He's not going to call guys names or anything like that. But if he had come out and been, uh, <laughs> been a real rosy guy one day, everybody wondered what the heck the deal is, you know. <laughs> so so I, would, I, I like that consistency with people. And I was more on the enthusiastic side. Now, I would get after him, and, and I was loud. There's no doubt about that. And, and I'd get after him hard and loud, but again, in a positive fashion. Well, that's something that that I think beneath the surface, you know, when, when people, and honestly, Coach, most people know about you because going viral and the greenisms and things. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, that, that's, that's taking on a life of its own, man. But, and I, uh, I am the world's worst. Uh, uh, media guy, you know, uh, obviously a lot of that stuff was bouncing around. And then I started working for the Montana tech foundation and, uh, and I would do uh, weekly sports shows just uh, uh, for a couple of sports directors are here in the local markets. And, uh, but that just, I, I don't know how that stuff gets posted. And then, so it's kind of like, I'm, I'm like Haley's comet. I come around once every six months or a year, you know, and, and uh, uh, people, you can't believe who you hear from on TikTok. And it goes around and they talk about all the views and all the comments. This summer, one of them went out on TikTok and I didn't know it. I was out playing golf, you know, and uh, some young kids said, coach, you can't believe it. They got another. Oh, I know. I said it went around and they said it's got, I don't know how many, you know, whatever million views and comments. And the deal of it was remembering Coach Green. So. They said, but you got to look at the comments. Not all of them, because there were hundreds and hundreds of comments, but several comments said uh, he was a good man, RIP, <laughs> you know, because it said remembering Coach Green. So 
you know, you never know about that stuff. Well, the the thing when you talk about being positive, that's one of the things that that yeah, you see, you know, you see the videos and you see these things that you say. But the but the thing that I notice, and and this is really fascinates me about you, honestly, is I never heard you in any of you know in any of those things, even after losses or anything, running guys down, calling players out, throwing them under the bus. Was I mean it? It had to have been a very um, purposeful thing, right? What did you, or is that one of the yeah, reasons yeah, you wanted that, to use that, humor? That was part too? of our culture. That was part of our culture. You know, uh, uh, I think, I think that, you know, you, 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 you lose, it's the coach's fault. You win, it's because of the players. And, and I always thought that certainly you need to correct players and you need to play better in situations, but to not, I mean, and obviously it happens. I think it happens more now than it ever did before. But to 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 name specific players and, and to do those things is counterproductive in, in my mind totally. I mean, there's no upside. I mean, if you're looking upside, downside, there's no upside there. Now, you need to correct them, and you need to get in that meeting room and on that practice field, and you need to correct them like crazy. You know, a, a good example of that is Coach Smart at Georgia. And it's pretty obvious they got really lucky to win that game. It's pretty obvious they're talented. And he said, hey, we have to play better. But he, he uh, the guys after him to say something about Stetson Bennett, the guys after him to say something about his defensive front and everything, he said, you don't know. He said, hey, I'm proud of those guys. They're resilient. They found a way to win, but we need to do a lot of work. And uh, and that's me. You know, I remember one time uh, we'd won a game someplace, and it was the old deal. And uh, that was kind of when that thing first came out, media guys saying that's an ugly win, you know. And so uh, uh, the kid got up to me and, and, and the camera's on. He said, you know, Coach, that was an ugly win. I said, no, wait a minute. I said, are there any ugly brides? Are there any good-looking ex-wives? I said, that's a win. Now, do we need to fix things? You're right. We need to fix things. But uh, uh, there are no ugly wins. So at any rate, yeah, I, I, I saw no upside in doing that. I just, I just, I could never, you know, everywhere from when you recruit them, you talk to their mothers. How many mothers are happy if you tell them their kid lost the game for you? You know, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it's just there's no upside. And just like the fact uh, I always felt there was no upside uh, in in uh, in having an adversarial relationship with the TV guy, with the radio guy, with the newspaper guy. You know, in the old days, they said don't argue with guys that, that, that buy ink by the 55-gallon drum. And, it, and I, it's even more true now. I mean, I always thought that if you could have a good relationship with the media, that that helps your university and that helps your football program and that helps your culture. Uh, now, <laughs> you can understand why some coaches do get upset. Now, that I can sympathize with. You know, there's some some questions and comments and deals that, you know, you, you really have to, you know, you really have to make sure you don't say the wrong thing and get angry about that. But uh, by and large, it's a lot better to have that positive relationship. Well, I mean, did you get a little extra media attention because you guys were kind of the only game in town? Oh, hey, hey, that's an excellent point. From the time I got up here, you know, and I love being in Northwest, but man, you got the Chiefs and you got Missouri, you got uh, 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 all kinds of competition for the the media, you know, and and it, it's it was uh, again we're lucky we have uh, we have two really good uh, FCS programs here in Bozeman, Missoula, but. Butte, Montana is a great town. I mean, we radio, TV, newspaper, they're there at practice. Uh, again, because we're the only deal around, you know. We don't have an NFL team. We don't have an FBS team. 
the only thing bad I've ever heard about Butte is about the water, but I think that was from you. So that's from me. Yeah, you can drink at the same time, but we fixed that. You know, we uh, of course we're an old mining community. You know, hundred and some years of mining, so uh, the water's better now. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, so going back to kind of your time of coaching, who who were your influences? What you know, were there? You know, was it? high school or college or along the way guys that really kind of took you under their wing or that you really admired their coaching style? You know, uh, uh, I, I, I try never to be a fence writer to give everybody an answer, but I do have to say in this, it was a conglomeration of guys. It really and truly was. I think my college coaches, you know, went to Carney probably were huge influences in terms of teaching the game and organization and, well, I played Lincoln Southeast, uh, one of the uh, biggest schools in Nebraska. We were very successful, you know, all those things. Uh, uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, it's whatever, three years later. And uh, wow. And I mean, this is this is 53 years ago. It, 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 it still amazed me uh, how organized things were and, and how much technique they taught. And so those guys had a huge influence on me. And then and then again, kind of riding the fence a little bit, I, I I learned stuff from all the guys I worked for, from, from everybody, all the coaches, and, and took a little bit. But but you, you just – and uh, I didn't figure many things out, but I did figure out it's a player's game, like I told you before, and and that's, you, you've got to be yourself. You know, you got to you got to do things that, that work for you. You, you just can't – I mean, there's there's incident after incident. I know friends that, uh, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to coach like Woody Hayes, you know, and, and be a real disciplinarian. And then – yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to uh, do what fits you. So, yeah, I took things from all the people I worked for and with. So, um, you know, going back to you know the greenisms, all of these things, where did this stuff come up from? You know, come from? I mean, I, I assume you didn't sit around with a book and write things down. <laughs> Is it just things that you've heard? I mean, we all have people you know, in our just, lives that say crazy just, things, but just uh, it's a mixture of things. You know, you're. Uh, you know, everything starts when you're out there stretching and, and uh, you're kidding, guys. And, you know, Matt, I always took my job very, very seriously, but I never took myself too seriously. And uh, I, I think I think uh, having fun is part of life. And, uh, you know, I was always grateful for every day. And especially when I got back to Vietnam, I had a little run in with cancer over the last couple of years. And somebody said, well, cancer teaches value every day. And I said, well, yes, it does. But I valued every day before that, you know, and, and I know how lucky we are to be here. And so, you know, you're stretching with guys, you're kidding them, you're telling them things. And, and uh, I, I know uh, I, I've heard several times uh, there'll be something on the internet and they'll say something and, and a former player, somebody knows a former player or even guys who didn't play for me, they played football somewhere. They say, I'll bet the stuff he told the team was <laughs> X-rated or whatever. They can't, you can't repeat it. And that's probably true. You know, so, you you know, you get to visiting with guys and, and that stuff comes up. And then, you know, you know, sometimes you're going to say something uh, that is coming. Maybe you've worked on something. If the if the reporter says uh, says something, maybe you're going to say something into it. But I, the majority of it just kind of come. I, we were getting ready for the playoffs one year. And, and uh, uh, you know, a Monday was always our day off the 24 hours. Not always, but. Uh, in later years, you know, you do the 24 hours off deal. And so we just had a granddaughter, you know, and uh, everybody knows everybody in Butte, small town, uh, a little bigger than Maryville, but still a small town. And so the 
guys, Aaron, we're getting ready to go play Azusa Pacific in California in the playoffs, and they're really good. And uh, so, you know, I think maybe we're going to get a question about Azusa Pacific. And uh, so the, uh, he gets up there, and the camera's going, Coach, uh, uh, your your uh, your daughter just had a baby, you know. Uh, congratulations. I said, well, thank you very much. And so he says, well, how does it feel to be a grandpa? And I said, well, it feels great, except now I sleep with a grandma. Just happened to say it. I don't think he's going to say do anything with it. Boy, I get home about 11 o'clock that night, man. Aren't you the smart guy? You, you think you're really smart? So that's just an example. Sometimes things come to you. Sometimes they don't. I can think of things I wish I'd have said. I can think of things that I'm sorry I said. You, know, you, you, you don't always hit it. But, uh, yeah, I always tried to have fun and, and uh, say things like that. And uh, sometimes the players would, would kid you, what are you going to say? What are you going to say about this team? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. Well, could you have ever imagined just kind of the the Internet fame or going viral, maybe even before you even knew what that was or, um, a, you know, what? the green isms and what, you know, you would kind of have grown, have grown into now culture wise. No, I would never imagine that. I'll be quite honest. No. Well, what did you think? I mean, the first time somebody showed you, you know, one of these little compilation clips or something like that, I know, you know, ESPN and different ones have, have gone, you know, probably bleacher report and other ones get millions of views and things like that. I mean, what, what about, do you remember the first time somebody said, you know, coach, you've gone viral. And did you know uh, what he meant? Yeah, you know, uh, I think the very first time was not long after I was done coaching and I was working for the Montana Tech Foundation. They asked me if I'd stay on and work with them. And that was great. Had a blast doing that. And uh, and it was one of our former players from California, and they called and said, you've gone viral. And uh, I really didn't know much about that. But, uh, yeah, that meant a lot of people looked at it. Yeah. Well, so, so I so, do remember the first So time, now yeah. you know what Facebook is and, and Twitter well, and TikTok yeah, one, and all I these things. Do one, I do one Facebook deal a week uh, 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 with the, uh, you know, I started doing it with Montana Tech Foundation. I still don't even put it on. I don't know how to do it. But uh, <laughs> uh, the guy who runs our alumni deal is a great guy, Sean Ryan, our golf coach, and he runs the Alumni Association, of course. He puts it on every week. So, yeah, that, yeah you know, it's, it's fun. I, I get a kick out of seeing People get on there and they respond to it and, and do those kind of things. Sure. So, so do you, I mean, how, how has it changed your life? I mean, I assume you get more re- re- interview requests for maybe things like this or, or yeah, more speaking yeah. engagements, talks, that sort of thing. Doing mm-hmm. talks for people speaking things. A lot of times you'll do a talk and, and you don't know, you know, uh, shoot, I've done uh, a great many talks. Hope we don't put anybody to sleep and, you know, we'll, we'll do the talk and, a lot of times they'll run uh, they'll run one of the deals you know one of the video deals up there first and and so you kind of get a little introduction there or, or sometimes uh, the deal is that you know they'll go uh, uh, say something funny <laughs> you know and, and uh, that's pretty tough with no context and that's again that's a media story we had a brand new um, uh, you know local media uh, market gal here is doing the deal and we always do the you know, like everybody does, you're going to do whatever, your press day, your TV day. That always drives me and our coaches nuts. Cause, you know, so I just finally decided we'll practice in the morning and then all afternoon. We'll have the uniforms, the poor equipment guys. They got to get everything ready to go. We'll do all the pictures, all the video. And it sounds good, you know, because you get it done, but you never really get it done. But, but at least you get it all in, but you're not getting practice. But so anyway... This new uh, lady uh, says to me, we, we do the whole thing, and 
she's on there. We're talking to her. She's now say something funny. How do you, you know, that's just say something funny. There has to be some kind of context. So I thought for a minute and uh, I said, what was that? What did that great uh, football coach Amos Alonzo Stagg say right before he died? She looked at me and I went, she didn't get it. Yeah. I said, run that. I said, you need to run that. Run that. Just take my word for it. Oh, so I, I know you like to golf and I mentioned the speaking enga- engagements and, you know, different interview requests and things like that. What, what are you up to nowadays? Well, I uh, love to play golf. Uh, we have great golf up here. We just don't have much of a season. And uh, I really uh, I'll, I'll kind of credit that, blame that on Northwest. My good friend was Chip Strong, the late Chip Strong, who passed to cancer, you know, several years ago. And he was a very good friend of mine. He was a good golfer and he kind of taught me to appreciate the game and we'd go out and play golf and you know after i left he'd come up here and we'd play golf and uh and i go down there and visit and uh, he kind of got the golf bug on me and, and i always said I'd, I'd play anybody my age that plays 10 times a year or less because you when you're coach you just don't get a chance to play much but I, I i like it i like the competitive part of it it's fun uh it golf's very difficult to be consistent at i mean witness the fact that uh those guys are, they're the best players on the planet every week, you know, the PGA, a different guy wins almost every week. And, and you'll see a guy shoot 62 one week and 82 the next. It's the same guy. It's just, it's just very frustrating. It's hard to be consistent in that game. And that's one reason I enjoy it so much. So uh, right now, in fact, I played today. We played uh, indoor golf league simulator, you know, up here, <laughs> whatever, six or eight degrees. There's no playing outside. And, uh, everything's shut down, but we do have good golf. It's just, you know, you get it, maybe hope you get some in May, you know, through September. And, uh, and I go down, I did go to Mesquite here a few weeks ago and we go down to Arizona in February, March and play, but I enjoy it. Uh, I have a great group that I play with a bunch of guys, you know, I call it geriatric daycare. We go out there and have a group or a couple of groups, you know, we have anywhere from, I don't know, uh, five or six to 10 or 12. And, uh, Tee off at noon, five days a week. And then uh, on the weekend, I'll play with my grandkids or somebody else. So I just love to play. Well, and, and speaking of football, you kind of, you know, mentioned Georgia. What, um, you know, you, do you still enjoy watching uh, football? Are there any particular teams that you pull for uh, other than the ore diggers? Well, I'm an ore digger guy. I go to every ore digger game here uh, uh, on the road. Uh, so I'm going to watch them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really, uh, uh, don't really, I mean, obviously, you grew up in Nebraska. You can't help but watch, you know, the disaster that's going on there. Hopefully, Coach Rule will get that thing. Uh, that ship steadied a little bit. Uh, Carney's, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, they're in the, they went from the, whatever, the RMAC to the uh, uh, MIAA, which that wasn't too good in football. They struggled for a while. They got up there. But they have the last couple of years have been good, but their coach left. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they'll pick up right where they, they left off. Uh, Northern Colorado, I keep tabs on them. They've struggled uh, as a as an FCS team. Uh, hopefully, I mean you got to invest. I mean it, it, everybody has to be on the same wavelength. That's uh, that was a, that was the case Northwest from the president to the AD to everybody they, to Bobby Bearcat. You know uh, the whole town. What you know the town has what ten thousand people and hell we'd have eight of them at the game. You know mm-hmm. counting the kids. It's just a wonderful place. And so uh, I've been fortunate to be places that were lined that way. And I'm not sure Northern Colorado is aligned that way in FCS right now. You know, they've got to invest a little more. So 
you know, I, I enjoy watching college football. I watch as much as I can all the time. We'll watch the Ord Diggers and then go out and get something to eat and at the sports bar, watch what's going on, and then come home and watch the night game. My son and I uh, handicap him on the phone with him. We pick every FPS team against the spread every week and every NFL team. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan, you know, from living there for five years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes fan. Hopefully they, uh, you know, get things. Who knows what's going to happen now with, with no game yesterday with a terrible accident. Uh, and the Broncos, you know, I was down there for a few years and uh, uh, get down there some, especially uh, we have a lot of alums there. So we do a golf tournament in the fall and watch them play. I uh, enjoy the, the Broncos and the Chiefs, but I really got, couldn't say there's one uh, team I burn up for. I, you know, I watch the Ord Diggers all the time. Pulling for them, I know the kids and the parents and the fans and go to the tailgate. We have a blast. Well, and it, what's the biggest difference between, uh, you know, between the game, you know, over the last 40 years? I mean, obviously things are very offensive centric right now, seem to be. Um, you know, what? I don't know. Is, is there one thing you can, you know, you can kind of point to? Well, as, that's, a, that's a great question. And as a matter of fact, I, I got that asked here just before the holidays. And I, first of all, I'd have to say uh, from the 70s to the 2010s, you know, when I left, if anybody saw more change, in a 40 year period, they'd have to prove it to me. Cause first of all, when I entered the profession it was a very lightly regulated industry, you know, it, uh, the rules were, were kind of sparse, you know, in terms of how you run your program scholarships, those things. And of course that totally changed. And then you have, uh, you had the steroid age and then you have uh, drug testing and then, uh, and then the game has changed considerably in favor of the offensive side of the football. There's, there's no question about that. The hash marks are narrowed. Uh, uh, the blocking rules changed for offensive linemen. You can extend your arms. You can extend it past the shoulders. You know, you can you can pretty much hold. Uh, uh, and uh, and it was changing, you know, my last few years. And now, you know, you can't hit receivers. Obviously, in the NFL, you can only hit them for the first five yards. But now in college football, you know, it, it used to be in some of the schemes we were at. And, man, if you cross the middle, you got hit. And uh, you can't do that anymore. And, and those are for the safety of the game. And I'm for that. You know, guys kid me, coach, uh, you wouldn't like that. And I said, well, you know, you'd have to change how you coach it and how you teach tackling, how you defend the mid part of the field. So, yeah, I've seen a ton of the changes and, and, and a change that really nobody talks about. The skilled guys are better. You know, the, the athletes are better. I'm, I'm not these guys that say, oh, back in our day, we were better. That's just not true. They're faster. They're bigger. They're stronger strength trained they they have uh position coaches uh outside of their programs they go to camps everybody has turf you know uh, it's faster uh i mean they see more games on tv they emulate those uh those moves and and those 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 concepts in the passing game and and so the game's much faster and much more offensive centric than it was and i think it's a good game i think the game's in a good place uh uh you know obviously the, the targeting rule gets Sometimes you think it should be called, sometimes not. They review it as best they can. Uh, but all those things are designed to make the game safer. The blocking rules, I don't know how the guys still run the option anymore. You can't, you can't block low, you know. Uh, and, that, you know and that's a big uh, deal on defense, too. Uh, defensively, our front guys would, would cut pullers back in the day and, and kind of create a large pile there. You can't do that anymore. So, you know, you have to adjust and change with the times. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, one one last thing, you know, it's in and I'm stealing this from another podcast that I saw you on, by the way, when they asked you not about any of the 140 wins in your career, but about the tie. And it was against Shadron State with Team Shadron Northwest State, yeah. has some uh, has some playoff history back in the sure, Danny Woodhead sure. days, which, of course, we're very proudly uh, were able to contain him. And we had a guy named Xavier Oman that kind of won won the head-to-head matchup but they also had what was it don Beebe for the bills didn't he play there had don Beebe, we beat him with don Beebe. we oh, nice. played with danny Woodhead, but we beat him with don Beebe. yeah so He's pretty good so what uh, anything special anything noteworthy about that one tie since it was well, the only uh, one you know it was against shatter and of course i know those guys real well uh like bill o'boyle who was an assistant on that team then ended up being the head coach at shed when when uh you played him at northwest Bill now is the offensive line coach in Colorado with uh, Coach Prime. Okay. And, but, yeah, at any rate, uh, that that ball game ended up being a tie. We made a catch in the end zone, that, uh, and we never should have got it. It was, it was late in the game, uh, throwing the ball deep, and uh, uh, they were in a, a two-deep zone. I guess that's just what they did, and we ran four guys vertical. And we caught the ball, but a little bit of a juggled game. Catch in the end zone, and uh, uh, Brad Smith and, and Bill O'Boyle and all those guys were pretty hot after the game. They uh, they said it was my fishing buddies making the call, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there. But we did catch it, and uh, and what happened? We kicked the PAT because there was still time left, but uh, you know, nobody was able to win the game after that. All right, nice, nice. Well, since so I remember is... that tie, yeah. Okay. I could I always say I can remember every play in every game. That's what I tell the players. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. <laughs> well, one last thing here, Coach, before I let you go. I got something I like to call the pick six, just kind of six maybe nonsensical or goofy questions. Are you ready for them? Sure. All right. First question. Did you have any pregame rituals? Like were you a suit? Did you have to wear the same socks or anything like that? Yeah, I went all the way down to same socks, same underwear, as long as we're winning. Yeah. We lose one, that does it with those socks and underwear, that's changed. You know, but yeah, I'm fairly superstitious. Okay, all right. Question number two is a golf question. What's your dr- What course would you like to play? What's like your dream golf course that you've never played? That I've never played? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I could play a course that I've never played, it would probably be Pebble Beach there in California. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. All right. Uh, question number three of the pick six. Who's your favorite football player of all time? Just just a guy you just love to watch, whether it's from when you were younger or nowadays or all of all time. Just your favorite football player to watch. Wow, that that is a tough question. My favorite football player to watch and he's a current player, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. He's pretty fun. I'm not a Chiefs fan, but he is. He, he's he, I, I don't think he's human. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced I, yeah, he's I, not. He does some things that I've never seen, you know. <laughs> uh, all right, question four of the pick six. Do you have a favorite saying, Some one that you maybe use more than others, whether, it, whether you've ever said it in front of camera or not? Well, it, it, it's one that even my grandkids say, if, if, if I'm a little, uh, not necessarily upset or hot or anything, but there, there might be something that didn't go the way I wanted. I'll go, you know why? And so, uh, I've got grandkids from a first grader to a senior in high school. 
and they'll all turn at me and they'll go, you know what? <laughs> That's good. I like it. All right. Question number five of the pick six. Do you have a crazy post-game celebration? We see things that go viral now. Maybe coaches doing a dance in the locker room or singing a song or something like that. Ever You ever have any moments, uh, any crazy post-game oh, celebration oh, so moments like great that? Moments. In fact, I got some pictures that were sent me the other day. But, you know, Matt, I got to be honest. And I know that, uh, and of course, I never coached the NFL. They always have the celebrations in there. I, I never did anything after the game. You know, coaches getting together on the field or in the locker room because you meet with them forever. I, I, I met with our guys. Uh, that's one thing I took away from Coach Thompson at Northwest. We'd meet our guys at nine o'clock on Friday night, and I still did it here with just me, just the head coach. And I'd have a, a time with them because. Hey, you meet with them plenty. You meet and meet and meet, Matt. You have, I mean, you could run small nations the amount of time you meet with those guys. And and so I told them after the game, I said, hey, listen, look up at the scoreboard. That tells a story. And and you enjoy it with your girlfriend, your family. You get out there on the field and hug them. And you do that. And, and we'll see you Sunday at practice. You know, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, I sure had some, I made some really bad decisions. But I always thought that was a good decision. Because win or lose, your emotions are running wild. You know, and and so uh, uh, that's what we did. But I will say in the locker room afterwards with with guys doing all kinds of goofy stuff, they'd come into my office and, and uh, they'd have the oranges that they didn't eat or that you know, they'd have a lot of funny stuff afterwards. And that was fun. But I never had we just didn't do the the locker room talks uh, or anything after the game. All right, fair enough. Well, last question. I know you and you and Pam Green have been married quite a few years. What's the what's the key to a happy marriage? Well, to me, the the key to a happy marriage is it's a team effort, and and it's obviously she's been with me at every game I've ever coached. She was right there, you know, starting coaching, and uh, uh, I think I think the fact that and and I haven't always been, you know, uh, uh, I'm not a I'm not a uh, a guy, hey, it's an even keel, you know, and uh, if you lose, it's tough. And I take it hard if you win. It's great. And and I know it's a zero-sum game. I admit that. But the thing I learned is 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 it's not your family's fault. <laughs> There's no reason to be grumpy with your family, you know. So I adopted the deal. Uh, uh, if, uh, if we agree on something, we do what I want. And if we don't agree on something, we do what she wants. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. Well, perfect. Well, well, uh, coach, I sure appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to uh, come on here with me. It's It's been a lot of fun. I've certainly enjoyed it, and I, I just want to say thank you. Well, you bet, Matt. Hopefully it goes well. Go Bearcats. Hello, this is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green, the very off-season appearance by Eli in a little off-season edition of the Bearcats, according to Eli. What's going on, buddy? Nothing. So uh, here we, you know, we've had a had a couple of months off. It's time to to get back to it here on the. On the podcast, what uh, I don't know, have you had had time to think over the over the last season at all? Kind of your thoughts. My thoughts on what? Mm, just last season. What do you have a favorite 
moment or game or memory play? Let me think. The last second field goal against Washburn? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, 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 definitely. Or when we beat Imperia. Imperia. Yeah, the, interce- <laughs> the interception on the... Yeah. At the we- end. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what do you think? What, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Pretty Christmas s- was nice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I hate school, and I got to not be there, so... It's a win for me. Mm-hmm. Well, what else is going on? I mean, you wanted to, you were the one that wanted to come on. You said you wanted to to come on and come on the podcast, make an off-season appearance. I thought yeah. maybe you'd have something to talk about. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Like a category. Can you give me a category maybe? Uh, well, I mean, this is a Bearcat football podcast. So. So. Do you have any questions you want to ask me? I will say I'm doing my best to raise this young man and uh, I was watching some old school NFL highlights as I sometimes do NFL throwback great YouTube channel for stuff like that just give them a little plug but uh, anyway we were you've been playing a lot of Madden lately huh oh yeah too much probably Mm -hmm. he's been playing lots of Madden and what did you ask? This was, I think, over Christmas break. What did you ask me? My one of my favorite NFL players to watch, or something like that. Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember. Yeah, and uh, do you remember the running back that I had you watch highlights of? Yeah. Do you want me to say his name? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. Barry Saunders. Sanders. Sanders, whatever. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? He was, he's awesome. He's fast. Yeah, had moves for days. That's, if I'm going to watch highlights of someone, that's probably my favorite person to watch highlights of. And you were telling me, what, that they have him on Madden Ultimate Team, or you played against a guy that had Barry Sanders on his team or something like that? What were you Uh, telling me? Well, there was uh, something like that. I don't know if you can get him, but I think you can. In the Ultimate Team, there's like a... There's these things, and then like it'll show you like old players that were like legends and stuff. And then you like have to collect fragments of them or something. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Your your quarterback's Brett Favre, which, you know, kind of takes me back a little bit. That's a fun, fun nostalgia moment for Dad. Any other players that you remember or anything? Nope. How have you been doing it, Madden? You were you're playing online earlier. It didn't look like you were. <laughs> uh, I suck at online, Madden. I got destroyed. <laughs> I went against someone, and at the beginning, I was doing pretty good. I intercepted it. And, like, my overall for my team, since I just started doing Ultimate Team, uh, is, like, 77, maybe. And this guy had all 99 overalls for his lineup, so I got demolished. Mm -hmm. But I got one interception. That's good. 
So who's your favorite team? Do you In have a what? favorite team? The NFL team? Yeah, kind of. Well, who is it? The Raiders, because you like them. Oh, you poor child. <laughs> I've tried to encourage him, by the way, to not like the Raiders, because it is unfortunate. But, oh, yeah, the Chiefs got a big, as, as time of recording anyway, a big AFC championship oh. matchup this weekend, unfortunately. Is everybody talking about it in school, I assume? No, they were talking about something. Who are they against? The Bengals. <sighs> oh, so go Bengals, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody, any of your other friends like the Raiders? Nope. Pretty much everybody like the Chiefs? Yeah, it's either the Chiefs or a different team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. That's that's life in Northwest Missouri, buddy. Welcome to it. Well, what else you got to say? Anything else? Uh, something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I was. We were talking before we started recording that the Bearcats, of course, have signing day oh, here yeah. in a in a week or two, and and uh, or in a week, and then in a couple of weeks, I'll be doing a special episode for uh, for signing day, and and uh, I was, you know, it's kind of new. I don't, I don't think you've ever really kind of paid attention or knew what was going on with signing day, huh? We had to nope. had to give you the Cliff Notes version. So we'll have some new have some new players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're good. Mm-hmm. We had a few a handful of guys that were freshmen that played this last year. So who knows? Maybe we'll we'll see some of them uh, some of them on the field in this spring. We'll definitely see them in the spring, and and who knows? Maybe next fall. Yeah. So hopefully we can uh, maybe get back to. Uh, the playoffs, and maybe win. Maybe make a run. You know, this team grew a lot last year. They're a young team. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. All right, buddy. Any any last words here for to to, mm. to sign it off? I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm doing that. You know, uh, the Bearcats aren't orange. They're not red. They're not blue. I don't think. I don't know. Wait, why did I have to think about that? Ah, uh, they're not yellow. They're green. <sighs> You're supposed to end it, you monkey. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen there. That uh, is, was better than better than I maybe thought. But there you go. The exciting guy himself. He begged me to come on, and then you know he we it was got some good good content. The poor poor kid's a Raiders fan though. I'm still holding out hope that he won't be. I know that sounds strange. And and listen, I'm not going to talk much NFL on here. Mostly because the Chiefs are good, and that's not fun for me. I just don't want him to be a Chiefs fan. So, you know, I'll, I'll play the villain in that role. But I also don't necessarily want, <laughs> want him to be a Raiders fan either. Oh, no sympathy. I understand that, but uh, it's, it's not fun a lot of times. But there you go. The loft season taste of the Bearcats, according to Eli. And uh, thanks again, of course, to Eli, 
to coach Bob Green, an absolute thrill for me. I mean, this is, um, this is amazing. You have no idea once this, uh, let me tell you a little story about this. I have to, because you'll know just what a big nerd you already probably already know what a nerd I am. If you don't, this will remove all doubt for, uh, you know, for sports, specifically for Bearcat football and things like this. Again, you know, Bob Green, somebody I've known about for years and just been kind of fascinated with the character, to be honest with you. And, you know, I finally, through many different channels, get his cell phone number. I'd called him, left him a voicemail. I believe I'd maybe also sent him a text message. I was, I, uh, my studio here, my home office, this is where I record the podcast. It's where I work. I spend you know, nine hours uh, not working on podcasts a day out here. And uh, my wife had come home. We're just kind of wrapping up my day and and my phone starts ringing. And this was, I don't, I'm pretty sure this was even before Thanksgiving. And uh, it it was definitely before the holidays, before Christmas. And my phone rings. I just held it up to my wife. I couldn't even speak. And it just said, Coach Bob Green. And, uh, Anyway, had a had a nice little conversation. He, of course, was absolutely, you know, had had lots of good memories from his time in Maryville, and and was happy to come on the podcast. But that, you know, there are moments where I really get to geek out <laughs> on uh, on this kind of stuff, and um, I I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that you listen, <laughs> that that you share in this journey with me. Otherwise, I'm just I'm just a guy, you know, talking to this microphone and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm so grateful for this podcast has brought so much happiness and everything to me. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, here, I'm just, I'm just grinning like an idiot. This is a lot of fun. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode again. This was, um, you know, kind of, kind of a bucket list type interview for me and I'm, I'm, you know, not being contrived or anything else that is, that is 100% um, my real honest to goodness feelings about it. It's so cool. So, uh, again, and, and so we're going to go to these every other week, um, episodes in the off season. That's the plan. Anyway, I'm not saying that there won't be a time that, uh, maybe there's not an episode for whatever reason or another. I, I don't think there's going to be any problem with content. I've already got a, another episode, um, in the can, so to speak. I try to get some things recorded. There's other people that I'm working with, former Bearcats and, and, uh, um, players, coaches, and, uh, I'm really excited. In a couple of weeks though, of course, we'll have signing day on February 1st, um, next week as when I'm, when I'm recording this. And so I will, I have a little something special planned that's different than I've ever really done. I've, I guess there's only been one signing day that I've had the podcast for, but, um, maybe some bonus interviews and things I'm that I'm that I'm working on. So so we'll see what happens. You know me, I'm that's I don't like to jinx anything. So until it's recorded, won't hear anything, but it's exciting, you know. The, we didn't have a particularly large class, pretty small senior class and there's been um you know a fair amount of guys that have been signed as they've kind of been coming in, you know, if you if you're following me on Twitter every every time I see a commitment, I retweet it and I've had uh um, some friends and, and some other people put in a lot of work and kind of send me some lists and stuff on, on the guys that have committed and it's not done. So who knows? Well, I'm sure we'll hear some more, um, some more commitments and things. And, and, uh, 
the the big news this week is Andrew Theobald gets another year of eligibility, which is massive. Which I knew that was in the works, but um, and honestly, like I figured it would probably happen because I think it basically amounts to the NCAA not counting the COVID year against him. I believe Tusculum played some games that season. And uh, anyway, so that means all five starting offensive linemen come back. I mean, that is massive. And, uh, you know, especially for a guy, you know, we've been very fortunate with transfers and with what Coach Wright and the coaching staff have done the last few years. You know, I mean, obviously it was, you know, kind of a running back thing for a while. but, But looking back to last year, you know, two of the guys I was most impressed with on the football team were Isaiah Nimmers and Dedrick Strambler. And and obviously Al McKellar, right? Unbelievable, All-American, you know, third place third in Harlan Hill. I mean, uh, incredible, you know, talent. Um, you know, we'd be remembering him forever if we hadn't had guys named Xavier Oman and LaRon Council and, and Jesse Haynes, <laughs> you know, as, as running backs uh, at Northwest. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd probably be up at the top of the list. And he's, he's still on that list for just a season. But but those guys really came in and bought in. And I, I feel like Theobald's the same way. You know, he just kind of is a guy that's come in and bought in. And, and that's important. You know, that's what makes Northwest special. It's that. It's, it's the culture. It's the Bearcat way. Things that are difficult to, you know, to, to get a guy... Um, you know, to buy in and kind of l- learn all of those things when they're a one-year player. And so, you know, we had some some junior college guys last year. They get kind of an extra year and th- that'll be back this season. I, I think stuff like that's important. I think that's not always what's looked at. It's more uh, what were the stats and, you know, what, you know, what, how many yards did we get? How many points did we score? What, what you know, I think – I'm pretty excited about about this coming season. We'll see. There's a long time between now and then, but you know it isn't very often in the off season that we get to talk about kind of some current stuff, and so I get a little bit excited about signing day. Although you know logically, yes, there will be guys that will never see in a uniform for the Bearcats, and, and you know that happens. You know, um, you know if you sign 40 guys, well maybe 20 of 20 of them, you know, graduate or 15, but. Uh, you know, between transfers and, you know, football's not for everybody, but it's, but it's an exciting time. It's a time of kind of the, the hope and the potential, not just for us as fans, for these young men, for their families who, you know, you know, I, I know a lot of parents uh, and things listen, but you guys know, you guys know what it takes and what you sacrifice and, and all the time and, and blood, sweat and tears that you put in just for from, you know, for your sons to get to that point. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's an exciting time. And that's another reason that I kind of get, uh, get excited for it. So there'll be more on that in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much again for uh, joining me on this very first 2023 edition of Bleeding Green. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can do that. Bleeding Green podcast is the Facebook group. And I would absolutely appreciate a follow um, as well on Twitter, underscore bleeding, underscore green is the Twitter page. I know I need to do a little bit better about, uh, about sharing things and, and I will. I've been a lot more active on Twitter cause it's really easy to share the tweets of the guys committing. So that's what you've been getting mostly if you follow, uh, the bleeding green, um, Twitter page. But, um, the other thing, this is the third year of this podcast and I have 
listen, to this point, everything's exceeded all expectations that I said. I'll be honest with you. Like, it really has. But I am also dedicated to making this thing grow. And it's, I have big plans and ideas for it this year. But I, I really can't do that. <laughs> it's certainly not on my own. I need your help. So, you know, if you know Bearcat fans or, you know, uh, heck, new parents of, of players that are going to be Bearcats and, um, you know, if anybody you want to tell about it, share it with, you know, people that follow the Bearcats from afar that haven't for a long time. And just, you know, th that's what these off-season episodes are so, so good about, I believe, is, you know, if the... the um, you know, you don't, you don't have to make a commitment every single week to learn the players and follow what's going on. I mean, you know, go, go in and, and if you're new, relatively new to the podcast and you weren't around last off season, go back and listen to some of those episodes. I believe they really hold up. There's some really good, really good stuff. And, uh, that I'm, that I'm really proud of, but again, thank you so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for this edition of bleeding green beers, burgers, and Bearcat football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, as always, Go Bearcats! Hey.